Hi, I'm Jin. And I'm Sophie. Welcome to A TARDIS of One's Own. A queer feminist journey through time and space and you who. Good evening. How are you? All right, thank you. It's nice to be back in a recording studio, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jen's house, <laughs> um, on our normal recording schedule, Thursdays. Yeah, we're back on track. Yeah, had to skip a week, but we are getting our shit in line, I guess. And next time we record here, there might be kittens. Oh my, like, I can't, I need to, oh. <laughs> I'm going to vicariously live through your house's kittens mm. until I can get my own kittens. <gasps> Maybe we could do kitten plate. Oh, it depends how long it takes me to get my kittens. Yeah. Because that might be too big. Well, we've been waiting for these ones for a while. My housemate is getting kittens. So I, of course, benefit from the kittens. I've never yeah. had kittens before. Oh my god! So it's going to be a whole thing. I need to buy some toys for them, actually. Yeah. Well, as I'm sure you have experience with dogs, you can buy them stuff, but then they'll lose their shit over a toilet roll tube. So (laughs) have low expectations. Like boxes. Any boxes. Yeah. Boxes they can hide in. Boxes, high boxes that they can jump like an octave box into. Love doing that. Um, Boxes that you can turn upside down and cut little holes. Mm. And then they can squeeze in. Well, I'm getting a food delivery on Sunday so they can have that box. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, have you been? Any yeah. news oh, from I the mean... front? <laughs> Lol. Um, so we're coming out of winter time here and it has been 2023 winter of disease, I feel, in our office. Yeah. And I was staving it off and just feeling like a bit near a little bit, but fine. Until last week. I got felled by miscellaneous lurg. And that was shit. And I stayed in my home and I felt like I was genuinely one more day of sick leave away from being Tom Hanks on Desert Island. <laughs> but we we persevered. We survived. Yeah, so back in the office today, it was nice to be near humans again. Mm. Not loving, you know, working. Who does? But not feeling less like a inanimate human-shaped slug on my sofa. The dream. Yeah. Uh, we can't. We still can't talk about my car because... I had to go back to the garage. Mm. It got fixed properly. And then New Zealand has a thing called a WAF. It's a warrant of fitness. It's like a physical for your car. Mm. It's like an MOT in England. And mine had to have some stuff done. So I had to spend more money on it. We're just over the car. We're over the car. We're over the car. I said to Jen, I'm just getting a horse at this point. I'm going a horse. Maybe I'll get a scooter. But like, like a horse would also be expensive. Yeah. True. And where would I put it? In the garage. Oh, Stable a horse in there? Uh, I mean, there's room, but... And it is apparently marine carpet, uh, so it's waterproof, but I don't know if it's, like, horse poo-proof. Carpets and garages are weird. I kind of used to it because my parents keep building new builds and keep carpeting garages, but they keep being like, it's marine carpet, and, like, you just mean waterproof carpet. But it's because you can, like, park a boat on it or whatever because it's, like, marine but carpet. But why carpet a garage? I don't understand. Polish it's warmer. If you want it to look nice, polished concrete exists. Yeah, it just looks sexy. Polished concrete does. Yeah, so it's been a mixed bag, but generally on the up. Very excited that it's Thursday and tomorrow's Friday. Weekend cometh. I'm getting, hopefully, the final session of my sleeve tattoo next week. Whoop, whoop. A year in the fucking ma- making. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the big three five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so how are you? Fine, I think. I'm yet again staging a coup at work. Coo, coo, coo. Coo by a stealth. There's a power vacuum and I intend to fill it. Yeah. No one else is stepping up. No. And I've had enough of nonsense and ineptitude yeah so yeah with no authority delegated to me by anyone i've just gone and seized the means of production you 100 have and it was fun today watching some colleagues realize that this was happening in kind of real time 
and being like, oh, okay, no, yeah, cool. So this yeah. relationship is. Uh... <laughs> I love that. It is all fun and games until they realize I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh no, I won't feel like that extremely helpful organizational tool. And you're like, it's not optional. And they're like, oh, ha ha ha. I'm like, here are the reasons why we're going to be doing this. Yeah, yeah. All of which yeah. are good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone likes me losing my shit until they're the uh, focus. Anyway, it's a great time. We'll see how long I maintain interest in doing so. Dude, I'm excited. I'm motivated. I believe in you. I'm happy to be there as your enforcer. Hmm. But also, keeping you grounded. Yeah, if good. you get a little yeah. bit... If I get too power mad... Miscellany. Yeah, tell me. Tell yeah, me. It's like, important to know. Yeah. I don't want to go full Jason Isaac, Death of Starlet. <laughs> but <laughs> I will shut my coat <laughs> no, in that manner. 100%. When I arrive on yeah. Monday. Yes. Yes. Everything about that would be great. Throw my coat off. What is the Michael Scott from The Office? And he's like, I want them both to fear me and love me. (laughs) I don't care about being loved. (laughs) The thing is, I need people to divorce their personal life from their work. Like, don't take my attack on your work ethic as a personal attack. Yeah, I know, 100%. I think the tone was set this morning when you came into the office and came up to me and were like, Sophie, I think people in this team have been taking the piss for too long. (laughs) And I was like, okay, cool, we're full board, this is it, this is... Well, now that I've developed an organisational tool and can appreciate the scope of the taking of the piss, I'm a bit like, hmm, hmm. Like, I, for one, appreciate a bit of fucking around and not doing anything. Yeah, fuck yeah. But also, sometimes you just have to get something done. Just occasionally, it would be nice to deliver something, and we haven't delivered something in a very long time. Like, as you described to me, things have to have a due date. That's all I ask. That is the minimum. Anyway, yeah, cool. We will be addressing Work that. chat. So that's that's where I'm at. Yeah. That's all that's occupying my time. Do you want to do our episode summary and we can crack on to chats? Absolutely. So this is season four, incredibly, mm. episode one, Partners in Crime. Mm-hmm. With a new weight loss pill tested in London, the doctor goes to investigate the sinister truth behind the product, only to find out that his old friend Donna Noble is investigating as well. Oh, cute. Big tail test. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Donna and evil evil lady yeah and she goes to talk to the woman at her flat who has taken the pill oh yeah yeah yeah. the the customer and she talks to her mum her mum's mean but who talks to her mum yeah um she also talks to the reporter Mm -hmm. yeah sometimes some of that is about the doctor but about other stuff too and then i think like the reporter talks to the the evil yeah the nanny nanny. Yeah. yeah like super nanny super nanny in space. <laughs> yeah, no, so flying colours. Mm, really? Yeah. I mean, that's probably the only feminist thing about this episode. Uh, <laughs> so we'll start strong, which is a nice segue to discussion topic. Yeah, so probably like a very obvious one, but I thought it was worth discussing. So I thought we could chat about body image, but particularly weight loss scams. Now, you know, feminists have criticised weight loss and dieting for many, many years and accusing it, amongst other things, of like reinforcing unrealistic and harmful body ideals, of distracting from meaningful social and political engagement and being a tool of the patriarchy generally, like keep women busy worrying about their appearances and then they can't dismantle the system. Now, body positivity obviously is becoming more of a thing in recent times, but people still diet. And, like, I found the stat that in the US, 49.1% of adults and 56.4% of women tried to lose weight between 2013 and 2016. Ten of the top of 11 strategies used towards that end were changes to diet. Always, like, eat all bran flakes all night and you'll lose all this weight. Um, you also have to assume that at least some of those women 
are aware of feminism as a concept. Yeah. And the critique of dieting and weight loss culture. But they still participate in it. And there is a woman called Susan Bordeaux who wrote a book called Unbreakable Weight, which is all about a critique of dieting and weight loss culture. And she herself has acknowledged that she participated in a commercial weight loss dieting program like Weight Watchers. She's not the only one. She's not going to be the only feminist who bought into this whole thing. No, fuck no. So if you think about it, why would anyone who thinks that dieting is a tool of the patriarchy go on a diet? Why would they engage in a practice that reinforces body norms they themselves reject? And why is knowing better not enough when it comes to dieting? But, you know, I was thinking about this. It's a complex issue. And I think lots of people find this hard to navigate, especially people who feel like that and who feel like they may want to lose weight for whatever reason. Maybe it is because they are uncomfortable or they have health concerns. And now they feel like they can't say it because there's this pressure to be body positive. Mm. So now they feel like they're bad feminists and they can't look for support in this weight loss journey or whatever format it takes. So it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. And it's also a big issue for gay men in particular. A study published in December 2022 looked at the attitudes of 112 gay men and 108 heterosexual men and asked them about their bodies and the research found that gay men were more likely to strive for thinness to think badly about their own bodies and to have an eating disorder research has also shown that gay men are more likely to use unhealthy weight control strategies such as fasting and laxatives Mm. to lose weight um, as opposed to heterosexual men and this episode was written by a gay man let us not Mm. forget interesting yeah i've heard about the image pressure in the the gay man community yeah i've got a friend who always talks about being like when he goes on holiday, he has to be gay thin. It's not good enough that he's thin. He's like a thin guy anyway. Mm. But when they go away to like Rio, him and his partner, they have to go on a massive diet to get gay thin, mm. which is basically underweight. And like there was another study that talked about how gay men are often underweight and malnourished because they have these extreme dieting practices mm. due to this image thing. Which begs the question, and I mean, like I have put no research into this, but think about that. You're talking about men trying to appeal to men. And when you think about heterosexual women who are into dieting and into like maintaining a certain image, it is again Mm. to appeal to men. Yep. So is the common denominator that men think they they prefer thinness? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, hey. There's a lot there. Or it's like everyone's perception is that men prefer this. Because it's it's always the difference of en masse versus individual, right? Mm. Like most people will that have had a cis male partner, especially women in straight or straight passing relationships will say like, you know, my partner has said to me like, I just love you for you and how you look on the micro, but then very much on the macro scale, like on Tinder or whatever, like guys are looking for Mm. non-fat people. Mm. So largely, you know, that's talking in- Yeah, sweeping generalizations. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like how much of that is bullshit and how much of that is actually true and- Yeah, it's just this push towards thinness. I always come back to this thing that, you know, just remember all your insecurities were developed by men in a boardroom. They're always developed by people trying to sell you something. And like I said to you last week, when I said equality between the sexes, I did not mean come up with weird things for men to have complexes about. Because last week, Mm. my Instagram algorithm (laughs) was out of control. It did not know who I was. I can only assume due to my recent purchases of protein bars and protein powder, it thought I was a gym bro. Yeah. But the ads I was getting, what about being more vascular? Like, <laughs> make your veins pop. I'm like, what is this? Do men actually have a complex about how they, how veiny their arms are? I'm like, first of all, don't find vascularity attractive. Jot that down, Instagram. Yeah. 
Second thing I got was the jaw shaping thing, where yeah, it was, that was like incredible. Define your jaw with this weird mouth thing that looked kind of like a rectangle. Exerciser, yes. Yeah, so you're just like, ang, ang, ang. should we even just do that with some chewing gum and, a, and like a work ethic? Yeah, it was like, don't. And I'd seen another video that got promoted to me with some guy on a podcast being like, don't settle for your jaw. You can change the shape of your face. You just need to practice. And I'm like, what the fuck? That's just maybe making a bit more stronger musclier but you're not gonna like you can't make the bones more square my jaw is in enough pain okay i don't need to be moving my muscles no this is very bizarre but yeah no this doesn't and and i think okay so vast majority of this bullshit diet culture stuff is aimed at women Mm -hmm. but it gets guys too and so I think we kind of yeah have to acknowledge that right that, that it does affect men like increasingly eating disorder statistics mm-hmm. are showing guys being affected as well but it's still overwhelmingly women. That stat I said before forty nine point one percent of adults try to lose weight so that's men and women yeah fifty six point four percent of them were women so majority of w- women but yeah. I feel like the way that weight loss stuff is marketed is almost exclusively marketed at women you very like I'm not saying that men don't experience body dysmorphia don't experience eating disorders don't want to lose weight all of that is true but I feel like when you look at diet products yeah. your slim fasts your yeah. Jenny Craig's yeah R.I.P. Weight Watchers Weight Watchers yeah the main target audience is women like okay Atkins like slimming teas, like remember all of those the Kardashians, yeah, the like Kardashians, appetite suppressant lollipops. Yeah, like as if they ever did that. Gross. Like, oh yeah, have a lollipop and then you could look like me. No, you've got fucking money. That's yeah, why you look yeah, the yeah. way you look. Yeah, it's really gross. No, but it is in like um, in terms of having celebrity endorsements. Like it's normally female celebrities that are advertising these diet plans or whatever to a predominantly female demographic. They're packaged in a way that is like in inverted commas female marketing mm. you know it's not black and it doesn't say stuff like handsome so no. it's probably not for men i feel like it always comes down to the fact that everyone just wants a quick solution you know mm. like that's what it is like if adipose existed amazing oh yeah yeah fuck yeah like you take yeah. it what is it four weeks later yeah they're like a kg a day because it's... every little fat baby is one kg and he pops one out yeah, every night like imagine I know, and so the crux of this is like so many things, right? But predominantly, and we see this in the episode definitely, the idea that being thin is tied to self-worth. So like this is the motivation of like why anyone would want to do this regardless of who they are and what way they're doing it. It's like, yes, but if you are fat, you are less attractive, you are less worthy, you are less valuable. And if you are thin, for example... The customer who said that she'd, you know, she'd lost 10 pounds or whatever mm. that Donna went to talk to. And then she's like, I'm getting rid of my boyfriend. Like, I'm better than him now. Because it's like, oh, well, you got some self-worth because you lost some weight. Like, yeah. now you're worthy of something better. And there's like, no interrogation of that in the episode at no. all. Like, there's no, like, oh, maybe this is problematic. And I know this was 2008. So maybe we have come a longer way since then. But it does feel very fat phobic in a lot of ways. Like, you know, when super nanny's like oh if cynicism burned calories we'd all be as thin as rakes or Mm. you know britain will be thin and that's why i chose this planet because there's like lots of fat people it's just very weird yeah i don't know i know and there isn't any interrogation whatsoever of like oh this is fucked up that they're targeting vulnerable people or they're targeting Mm. people with really deep-seated insecurities like oh yeah she's an evil villain or whatever but there's no taking the next step of this is fucked up it's just like ha 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 yeah, I just remembered of saying like maybe the common denominator is trying to appeal to men. In that study that was talking about gay men's likeliness to be underweight, 
it was talking about the fact that for bi and lesbian women, they're more likely to be overweight and generally happier in their body image. And I'm like, yeah, because you've removed... Men. You've removed the problem from the equation. <laughs> like, you're no longer to trying to appeal to a this external validator. Yep. Ugh, so fascinating to me. And I just think, like, it's not just even weight loss. Like, the amount of ads I get on my Instagram for, like, random skincare wands. Every day I feel like I'm getting another targeted ad to, like, smooth your wrinkles and do this and lose weight and this, that, and the other thing. And then I follow, we both follow, a personal trainer who I think is very astute with this stuff. Who's like, it doesn't matter what diet you're on. The basics are... more out than in you're gonna lose weight there is no magic bullet yeah and every time we're trying to tell people like oh yeah eat special k the only reason that works is because you're eating less food it's not the special k that's fixing it it's not the keto it's not the atkins it's not the paleo whatever it is yeah i don't know that's grim it is grim and too and it you can especially see in this episode that it's a very like for want of a better word whitewashing of that diet culture experience to be like you just need to be thin that the approach is a one-size-fits-all to all body shapes and not taking into account that everybody's starting with extremely different body shapes some people have body shapes that mean that they will never have visible abs Mm -hmm. they're never gonna have a thigh gap they'll always have hip dips like we're not starting from the same position yeah once you idealize a very certain body shape and say that this is what should be achieved by everybody but some people are never ever ever gonna get there Mm. then it just makes everyone feel like shit and you're especially if you're you're adding extra layers of say you're a person of color so you're queer you're marginalizing already the marginalized by Mm. being like oh you're queer and you're fat and maybe you're not able-bodied as well and so it's like just compounding of things that society can make you be like yeah so they can sell you things yeah yeah that's it and it becomes a real (laughs) conscious choice to be like fuck this shit and it should be not fucking political to be like, this is just the body ex- existed. Yeah. But it is, right? But it's just equating thinness with moral goodness as well. Like, I think that's yeah. often the thing. It's like, you know, you're just not, you just don't have the self-discipline. If you had self-discipline, then you could be thin. And you just don't have, like, and we talk about it at work all the time. Because mm. people love moralizing food in our workplace. Being like, no, I'm trying to be good. I'm not going to have any chocolate because I'm trying to be good. Like, Fuck off. <laughs> food is not your enemy like yeah and like loads of people you can be fat and be fit you can be fat and be very like able to Mm. hike up a mountain or run a 10k like just because you're bigger doesn't mean you're not capable of doing these things like you can have people who are thin who are incredibly unhealthy and probably could fall over if they try to walk up some stairs oh yeah 100 percent. and a lot of people who do get extremely thin like you said are also often malnourished um if they're female they're more likely to be amnuric when your periods stop and then you're ceasing core hormone functions so you're gonna Mm. have really bad bone related outcomes um people who are severely underweight because of stuff like anorexia also have really high rates of osteoporosis so you know thin is not good when taken to that extreme and just it's just the mental load yeah the fucking mental load of i need to care about how much i'm eating i need to care about what calories i'm consuming like am i losing weight am i worthy like yeah and the way we're set up to fail as well like we talk about it a lot when we go clothes shopping because literally mm. like i go to h&m i bought two dresses one is a long long version of the same dress like they're both t-shirt dresses one's a maxi one's short the maxi dress is a medium the short dress is an xxl that should not be a thing that happens 
Like, I can be a size 10 jean in one shop and a size 18 in another shop. Yeah. Like, this is the kind of thing that just fucks with your head. Like, either the size is a size or it doesn't mean anything. Like, I don't understand. And then people will tell you, oh, you should be a size 10. And yeah, in no, what like, universe? And in what shop? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, European and Southeast Asian lines notoriously cut small american brands tend to cut bigger oh, yeah and we had like, this yeah. like in a previous job i used to get outfitted by adidas once a year and you could always tell where the addy clothes were coming from because the ones that came from asia this the mediums yeah, were two yeah. sizes smaller than the ones that came from the states and it was like okay cool story bro so weird and then you feel bad because you no longer fit in a size 12 or a size 14 and it's like but this is not there's no standard for this yeah it's it, just numbers it feels like everything is just set up to make women feel bad so that they go and do dumb shit like eat special k for two weeks yeah and then lose weight me. yes very effective because they're not doing anything they're just eating cereal yeah and then as soon as they start eating like a normal person again that weight just comes back so what's the fucking point yeah <sighs> so anyway one of your earlier points there which i think is a really good one that reconciling having feminist ideals and thoughts and dreams and wishes and knowledge and also being part of this system Mm. just because you you know recognize like hey the patriarchy has fucked us over and i want better outcomes for myself and my fellow man and Mm. you know doesn't mean that you're suddenly like not brainwashed and indoctrinated by all of this yeah and we exist in the system we can't just opt out of it right like we exist within capitalism we exist within the patriarchy just because we're aware of the of what is happening doesn't necessarily mean you can get out of it yeah but i do think it's hard i feel like sometimes people feel like they can't they're not allowed to want things because they think oh well you know, maybe I do want to lose weight, but also why do I want to lose weight? Is it the patriarchy that's making me lose want to lose weight? But I still want to lose weight, but now I can't tell anyone that I want to lose weight because then everyone's going to think I'm a hypocrite. Yep. And it's like, cool, okay. So <laughs> it's an extra way to feel shit about yourself. And yet another way that the patriarchy can keep us busy so that yeah now we're guilting ourselves into it this is a hot like a whole mental health hole that we probably don't we don't have the time nor the scope to go into but like it's impossible to talk about this without even acknowledging that a lot of this diet focus is really disordered for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and even you know some people who wouldn't say oh i have an eating disorder if you listen to how they think about food how they care about image how they count their calories like that is disordered fucking eating maybe not enough to fit a classical psychiatric definition of anorexia nervosa or you know bulimia but it's it's disordered it's fucking disordered and the vast majority especially women grow up like this and yeah. never really think it just becomes part of your landscape of thinking around food and your body and absolutely it's toxic and i think about this a lot when i'm in the gym because i feel like this is an issue that men don't talk about and i think this whole gym bro culture which is very prevalent these days mm is really disordered. I think a lot of men, they're addicted to going to the gym. Yeah. Like, you watch them in the gym sometimes. I'm like, bro, this is not... This is your whole life. Like, I I appreciate that you think you're doing a good thing, but I just don't think it's healthy. Yeah. If you're in there, you know, six out of seven days a week for two hours a time, and you, you only feel eat. bad if you don't go. Yeah. Like, that's not okay. That's and, not living your best life. And you're just eating boiled chicken and broccoli. What? Obviously, I I say that sweeping judgment. <laughs> I yeah, don't yeah, know what yeah. these people's situation is. It's just like sometimes you hear people talk about things and you're like, mm. <laughs> I mean, we are currently obsessed with protein, hence my weird Instagram ads. Yeah. 
Because we're both vegetarians and like we yeah. realize that maybe we get like four grams of protein a week Fuck and me. maybe that's not normal no and it's got worse because of our international cost of living crisis yeah so pretend meats the tofus they're Very fucking expensive. expensive dude so i've been like trying to save money on my groceries and not buying any of that and i've been like hmm why have i been feeling really kind of tired and like All shit and I'm like, maybe it's because I'm eating genuinely, like, if I'm lucky, maybe 10 grams of protein a day. Yeah. And then not getting enough iron. And so I'm like, no. Gotta focus on it. Let's turn this bus around. This clown car around. Yeah. Fuck me. One of our colleagues who was vegan, I was talking to him, and he said, boldly, that lentils have the same amount of protein in it as a steak. And I'm like, I think you're making that up. And he said, no, it's true. And he Googled it. And he made it up. Yeah. But oh, vegans. <laughs> kidney beans, on the other hand, almost as much protein as steak. So if you eat 200 grams of kidney beans and 200 grams of steak, you're getting oh, roughly off, really? the same account. Yeah. 200, 200 grams yeah. of kidney beans. That's only half a normal tin. That's a no- like Because normally it's like, if you ate a kg of chickpeas, you would get, and I'm like, no, I'm no, no, no fucking person That's what I said to him. Like, what am I doing? Eating two kilos of lentils. I'm not doing that. So 200 gram of steak has got 50 grams of protein in it. Okay, no, I was wrong. I think it's like half. Kidney beans, 200 grams of kidney beans have got 48 grams of protein in it. Wow, fuck so, me. close, right? What are we doing with a kidney bean? Jesus Christ. I don't know. Like, I feel like I'd get sick of the kidney bean. Yeah. Anyway. No, you would. And also like... I have something very similar to IBS. It's never really been friend what it is, but it is not unhappy insides. And beans are not the one. Beans, beans, the magical fruit. <laughs> so for my loved ones, that would probably and colleagues in an enclosed space, it wouldn't be probably great. We are not licensed nutritionists. Just <laughs> no. FYI, but, um, uh... Yeah. So, but then again, so then for me as well, I've talked about this before. I have a history with anorexia. That's something that. I feel I'm in a good space about it, but it's definitely not, like, in my past. It's, like, a, you know, a work in progress. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's then, again, hard... Not hard. Like, it's not simple or straightforward, for want of a better word, to focus on my diet mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't become a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Diet in the broader sense of food intake, mm-hmm. not, like, a restriction sense. Yeah, man. Like, it's yeah. just... Because, like, we were talking and I'm using a calorie counter to track my protein. And you mm. were like, I can't really do that. I no. can't get into that at all. Dude, I've started checking labels, hey. And, like, yeah. I need to just keep a fucking eye on it. Because you can't look at the... Sometimes I know on the label where the calories will be. So I, like, quickly put my finger on the top bit. Mm. And then I only peek at the line underneath that will say protein. protein. But it's so... I mean, like, I don't want to be a fucking mutant about it. So it's so hard to just, you know, you just accidentally see it sometimes and then... You've and also, it. like, you know, I was, like, a decade deep in the the eating disorder. Like, I can eyeball calories from, like, 100 paces. Like, yeah. I spent too long doing it. So it is really just, like, unlearning that kind of... And also, it, it fucking sucks, dude, because how much of a vice hold, like, diet and... Mm. has on us because unlike say alcohol or cocaine or whatever something else that you would have a bad relationship with you can't go cold turkey you can't stop eating you can't be like no like i'll just stay away from it and you know i won't be triggered like this has to be part of your life forever Mm. yeah which is where this whole intuitive eating thing i suppose comes from right like eat when you're hungry and eat what makes you feel good and like Mm -hmm. we were talking about refined sugars right because you were Mm. like it makes me feel like shit and i'm like yeah fair yeah i've been trying to eat i've been doing a less weekdays 
very minimal refined sugar weekends eat what I feel mm. like and I have felt I felt more energy full and less like you know when you get to like the mid-afternoon and you're like I need something with sugar in yeah. like to give me life <laughs> yeah <laughs> which has been nice but again it's so easy to be like oh you know you've been eating less of that maybe you just chew cut biscuits out totally so for yeah blah 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 like notice like oh I've gone down one belt buckle hole like mm. Because I've not been eating all the work chocolate. Yeah. And a lot of it, I think, also comes from privilege. Like, all this diet chat is from, like, rich white influences nine times out of ten. And it negates the fact that your poor communities don't have access to nutritious food. Food is expensive, right? It's way cheaper Mm. to go to McDonald's and buy my family a meal than it is to try and go to the grocery store in this economy and buy, like, various foods that I didn't have to make, that I don't have time to make because I've been working a 12-hour shift, you know? three jobs just to get keep your family in with that roof over its head yeah no 100 percent. and that's that's like in our relatively first world country you know economically developed country um let alone great swathes of the planet who live yeah below the poverty line and couldn't afford the excess calories but not even that like just access to nutrition i did not even think about this but you know when i went to that south african shop and i bought that cereal because i'm like i loved this when i was a kid yeah i was eating it the other day and my housemate is like are you done with your gruel because it looks real grim when you've mixed it up. And I'm like, actually, now that you've said that, it reminds me that this was developed and they used to take it into underpoverished communities up and down Africa because it's got so much nutrients in it that it's just a really mm. quick way to get nutrition into kids and, like, especially younger kids. And it's I'm like, like fortified. It's like a fortified yeah. cheap cereal. Yeah, yeah. And it's like mostly protein mm. and, like, it's got lots of, like, good stuff in it. Mm. And as I was, I'm like, oh, now I feel kind of bad. <laughs> eating it like it's a delicacy but it's probably a refeeding famine yeah food. yeah 100 yeah. percent. and then it got boxed up and sold as like this protein rich food and i'm yeah. like mm. but it's fucking delicious <laughs> well anyway you can you can enjoy although it i probably and- only think that because i grew up with it because like when she was like what are you eating i'm like oh yeah it does look a bit like baby bird food yeah it makes me think of ready breck it's like a type of porridge. Mm. It's like baby start on it, but I grew up eating it in England. And it's like a very finely milled porridge. Yeah. So it makes like gruel consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> anyway. No chew- you don't need to chew it or anything. No, you it's just, just like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. straight in. It's great in the morning when I'm in a rush. Yeah. Like, yum. It's warm. Yum. <laughs> but anyway, she made, like, I was just like, Ugh. Ugh. now I feel weird and privileged about it. Anyway. So on that note... Yeah, Shall we do some uh, random observations. Holy fuck! Yeah, there's a lot of it is really gross descriptions of you know like talking about the the tablet, this lifelong freedom from fat, really framed as like it's this horrible demon that you have to be free to have mm. a fulfilling happy life. It is a bit body horror, but they are cute. Oh, dude, fuck! I've written down <laughs> fat babies, cute in capital letters, little tooth, and then wave. They're so cute. And then I wrote fat munchkins, cuties. It'd be great to have a little army around. I know. And I love how the episode ended and they just went away and they're happy. And they're just like, bye. I was like, yeah, no one killed the fat babies. Also, I did write down, Doctor Who is so fucking weird. (laughs) It's so weird. Like, they were pitching this and they were like, can you imagine the stories that didn't get made? That this was like, yeah, we'll make this episode. Fat babies will pop out of people's fat and then just like wander off. (laughs) Shout out to my friend who I stayed with when I was in London because their internet is called adipose industry <laughs> yeah amazing yeah and then when donna's like i'm waving at fat 
Yeah, I'm waving in fat. Okay, should we just quick fire, quick fire some yeah. random Yeah, well, I go. just want to say, fucking up that fire door is a fire hazard, and you are going to kill all those people, Doctor. <laughs> 100%. Your favourite man of the moment, Donna's granddad. Yeah, he's a sweet man. He's a sweet man. Because Donna's mum is the worst human being. Like, she's horrible. She's hor- so horrible. She's absolutely horrible. And you can see why Donna is, like, her- like yeah, no, anyway, she's horrible. On the subject of security, relating to that fire door... Which is more safety, but you know. Mm. Anyway, security is very lax. Donna just wanders into adipose injuries, <laughs> wanders around until they get wind of it. But then later on, with the baddie nanny, suddenly we've got henchmen with machine guns. I know, but there's only the two henchmen. <laughs> so we've gone from one right the yeah. <laughs> Which is like, wow, this is just these two guys wandering around. The doctor like electrocutes them and he's like, don't worry, they're just stunned. But we never see them again. No, so I think he's I straight think up dead. dead but... Yeah. I yeah, think they're dead. Corporate Donna be corporate spying in a very non-subtle way. Yeah. I do love the parallel between Donna and the Doctor investigating. I think that's quite cute. Like It is cute. Like... And you start at the beginning and you think, because I'd forgotten completely this entire episode. Mm. I was like, oh, are we being shown? Are we going to get a flashback to how they reunited again? Like, and then it takes you a while to realise they're not actually working yeah, together. Yeah. They don't know each other there. And I was like, that's quite cute. Yeah, I do love as well that moment when he's like peeking out the cat flap. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute. See his freckles again, which is always a highlight. Yeah. No, I know. I did like that. I thought that this episode was just... Oh, yeah, on the subject of the cat flap, actually. When frat babies start fat babying everywhere and, like, ready for the big exodus, everyone's like, what the fuck are these little fat munchkins? But no one in the night up to this point has noticed the fat baby exodus that Mm. happens presumably about the same time. That's the guy said he happened at 10 to 1 every night. Mm. And, like, people are out and about at night, especially in London. If they're not invisible, they're just (laughs) little fat babies. And they're kind of slow moving. So, whatever. (laughs) Just Londoners being like, oh, oh just like, oh, right, all fat night. baby. Get down to the fat bug. It's very weird. Mm, I did make a note, yeah, two least security looking guys ever. Those yeah, two yeah, security nah, guys. They're nah. very not burly. Um, only planet in the solar system named after a woman. Good for her. Yeah, Venus. Very cute. Donna has a go bag in her boot. Yeah, I mean, she really regrets staying behind, hey? But if that's your mum, I mean, fucking It's hell. horrible. And yeah. And I do think that, like, it's interesting. It's like, also I wrote in my note, finally someone with luggage. Because they never (laughs) take shit onto the thing. They never. But also, luggage in a broader sense. Everyone's got baggage. Uh, um, (laughs) She has uh, a hat box. Yeah, she has a hat box. It's incredible. No, but I think it's interesting because Doctor meets these companions. Mm. He expects everyone to make snap decisions. Suddenly we're off in the TARDIS. Mm -hmm, Let's go. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, you wouldn't fucking go for a job with that little decision making let alone travel through time and space so i think this is quite interesting to show that side of it like she got the opportunity she was like no fucking thanks mm. i like my life and then was like oh shit because she regretted it and she missed the sense of adventure and yeah and i think also she hadn't quite processed what had happened like you know her yeah. fiance was setting her up and she was supposed to get married and now she's not married and she's lost her job and now she's living at home again like it's just it's just shit for her across the board and when she says to her grandpa, you know, like, I'm not drifting, I'm waiting. And she's like, I'm waiting for a man. And he's like, oh, yeah. uh, I know. But I did, I did make a note there. Like, yeah, again, it's someone putting their life on hold. For the doctor. Or for the idea of the doctor. Because mm. she hung out with him for one Christmas. Yeah, and it was pretty chaotic. And she, so she doesn't even know what the actual reality is like, the day-to-day. Like, she doesn't... She does say at one point it's always like this then, you know, when they're running yeah. around. <laughs> he's like, yeah. But also when she's hanging on for dear life and he's like, I should have stayed home. 
Again, upper body strength, though. Oh, night! Like I would be dead in fucking half of the heart. Hold on, I am. <laughs> yeah, she is very sassy. Like we're just like, what would you be doing in a church? And she's like praying. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, and journalist yet again out for the truth. Journalist trying to mm. ferret out. Yeah, yeah, we like it. We like it. Get a sense, especially in the beginning of the app. Doctor's really lonely. Yeah, he's talking to an empty TARDIS. It's very sad. So he needs this companionship. It just would be great if he didn't get make it so toxic. Mm. But we'll see. We'll see. You know, he does call out this relationship dynamic. Yeah, like, I love that. This is the moment that. that you promised me was coming. Yeah, good communication from him. He's like, look, last time it went bad. I didn't do it the right way. I just want a mate. She's like, to mate! <laughs> I love that she's also just profoundly unattracted to him. Yeah. <laughs> like she, he is not her type at all. No. Yeah, because he does think he's fucking, like... The bee's knees. God's gift, yeah. <laughs> well, even here, that when he's, like, in the cubicle, the girl's flirting with him. Oh, my God. Like, so awkward about it. You be health, I'll be safety. <laughs> and he's like, ah! <laughs> abort, abort! <laughs> okay, and we have to... The elephant in the room. Mm. The, the, the Billy Piper elephant in the room. Yeah, I totally forgot that. So Rose is there, mm. and then she just vaporizes. Mm. So I was like, holy fuck, is this the other Earth? And they didn't realize it's not the other Earth. Mm-mm. She's just vaporizing through time and space? You're gonna find out. In this season? Yeah. Oh. There's a lot of stuff in this episode that sets up the grand finale, and I'll be intrigued to see totally... what you noticed or not noticed. Okay, 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 I'm excited. I totally forgot that she came back. Mm. So this isn't the last we see of her this season, then. Mm-mm. Oh my god, she cameoed. Yeah. I wonder if she was no, a bit strapped for cash. Gotta remember there's been two years between the end of her season and this one. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. It's been about a year since we watched her season? Well, no, she wasn't nah, season two, six months. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, because I totally wasn't expecting that at all. I thought she was Dunskies. Um, the only other thing I will say is the doctor yet again, he just always assumes he's the only one with answers. Like, he just needs mm. to ask Donna. And look, she's got another pill. She's she's ready to help, you know? Yeah, yeah. I know. Ask, ask my guy. And it's not just Donna, it's anyone. He always yeah. thinks he's fucking Johnny Big Potatoes with he knows best. Use mm. the smart women you surround yourself with. Yeah, outsource your thinking to them. Yeah, exactly. Or just like take a fucking beat. Just be like, what's the vibe, guys? What do we think? Yeah. Anyway. But Pacey up, overall fun. Despite it being batshit insane. I think they really play up the comedic angle, the comedic dynamic between them, you know, Catherine Tate being a comedian. Yeah, she isn't, she is definitely not the most serious companion, I would say. I kind of find her, like, generally, I find her okay. And I find her better than I did the first time around, where I found her, like, kind of annoying. Mm. I find her less annoying now, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I will see how I feel about a season of her. Yeah. It's just like that kind of brashness gets a bit. Yeah. And like the, the, the voices and the, the outrage. Yeah. Just like, I don't want to tell someone to be less, but, yeah. but maybe tone it down. Just a little bit. Just calm, yeah. like, we don't want to say calm down, but maybe no, just calm, calm down. down. Just a little bit. Just, just take the edge off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Captain T. I mean, she basically told him to calm down last time when she's like, and she brings it up in this episode when she says to him, you know, what are you going to do then? Blow them up. And he's like, they're just children. They can't help where they come from. And she says, oh, well, that makes mm. a change from last time. Mm. Yeah, because in the between, he's been marthered. And also, it's been a year as Dobby Doctor. Oh my God, Dobby Doctor. Dr. Dobby? Yeah, in the tent. Yeah, tent Forgot doctor. about that. Jesus Christ. Him. They've seen shit. He has seen shit. 
Yeah. Also, oh, dropping keys in bin is a wild thing to do, is yeah, what I wrote yeah. down. So it's that bin. Tell my mum it's that bin. <laughs> like, if you said to me, hey, Jen, I've parked the car, but I've dropped the keys in a bin, I'm like, well, cool. Guess I'm never seeing those keys again. I'm not rifling through a bin for keys. Also, bin is like, as we've established in our old workplace, it's longer than the length of a human arm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what am I going to do? Like, full body into the bin? Also, tip it out like a fox like, and ferrets? Yeah, you're going to have to tip it over. Ugh! And some of them you can't open. You know, sometimes they've got stuff like the bag goes in the bin and then you have to unlock the bin to get the bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. She would have gone wheelie, surely, but. Just just tuck it under the thing. Amateur hour. Yeah. Well, wait, can they not just like. They could have just swung past. Like, get the TARDIS to go to her house and she'll drive the car and then he'll pick her up in the TARDIS. Like, honestly. I feel like logistics. Or just wait for her mum to do it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Anyway. It's very weird. Great. Good chat. Anything else? No, I think that's it. I think that's it. I didn't particularly have any major standouts. I thought Sarah Lancashire, yet again, great British actor, mm. did a great job as the baddie. Um, having that kind of, okay, quite stereotypical, quite pastiche nanny vibe, but did it very well. Mm. And I've written down, smash it then, as dialogue I liked, but I've forgotten what bit that was. <laughs> <laughs> so, smash it then. Did you have a standout? I love the, the charades thing they do where they're like talking to each other oh, through yeah, the window. <laughs> She's like that, and then you're and then, here, and then this happened, and, and then, then they're, they're like, like, "Oh no, we're being watched." And also just them popping up in the office as a grand comedy, you know, when they're mm. different cubicles and mm-hmm. one is up and one is down, and like him peeking over the top of the partition is fucking adorable. It's very cute. I and think it just pops yeah, in. you make a good point where they like play. You're playing up that comedic camaraderie, yeah, but also physical comedy. Mm. He's like, very good at that. Yeah, tenor. like even with the cat flap, even with you know, it's yeah. very like they're cha- like they're being interesting with. I wonder who did cinematography. <laughs> but like mm. with the shot set up like they're just being different I think it's interesting because obviously it's a bit different to other premiere episodes for Companions we've had previously because we know Donna already she's had her mm. Christmas special so they don't have to do so much groundwork like they did in that first Martha episode or the first Rose episode a little bit of knowledge is already assumed with Donna yeah Oh, I've just remembered her delightful Wilf on his looking at the telescope, and he doesn't see the the spaceship coming for the adipose. Like he's looking away and yeah, he's doing yeah, other yeah, things. Yeah, I'm like, turn yeah. around, Wolf. Cute. But he does see them waving from the TARDIS, and yeah. I think it's nice that Donna does that for him as well. Like she doesn't just yeah. disappear like many of the other companions. I completely agree. I think that's great, and he's also just like so chuffed for her, which yeah. is lovely. Aww. Though, let's not take the message that you have to wait around for a man because you can move on with your life anyway. Yeah, you can have a very fulfilling life. Like, she could have gone off and found something else to do. 100%. But, yeah, oh, fuck, that just reminded me when you said premiere episodes of Companions. It just reminded me the whole first Martha episode were there to explain to us that she wasn't the other version that she played. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Adiola, her cousin. <laughs> and Canary Wharf. Yeah, just fucking hell. Lol. Random. All right, great. Well, next week we'll be watching episode two then, which is the fires of Pompeii. Dude, I'm so excited. It's ancient Rome set, and also can we say get yet again alternate? We've got period set, we've got modern day, we've got period set, and they're going full bore ancient Rome. Ancient Rome. Strap in. It's not as good as the Loki episode that goes to Pompeii, where Tom Hiddleston gets to use his double first and classic. Incredible. Also, the subject of Loki new season comes out soon. Great. Okay, well, anyway, let us know your thoughts by emailing (laughs) atardisofonesown at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram. Um, Yeah, check out the notes, the links, and the references discussed in this app, and we will see you next time. Bye! Bye! Bye, thanks for listening, bye! (laughs)